Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. When Secretary of State John Kerry announced that he was going to give a major foreign policy speech with just 23 days left in the Obama administration, that struck me as unusual. How many presidencies have wrapped up on a major foreign policy initiative? And that's why we invited Elliot Abrams, a deputy national security advisor to George W. Bush, who handled Middle Eastern affairs. I want to run this theory by you, Elliot. Am I wrong that this seems just a bit, well, odd? No, I think you're right. I don't recall this in certainly uh, the George W. Bush administration, the Reagan administration. Um, I, I just, uh, I think it's very odd. There's a kind of, usually there's a sense of what's appropriate and what isn't. Uh, and this kind of thing isn't. And it's also uh, not enlightening, laying out a path forward for an administration that has literally weeks left to go. So what do you believe the motive was? Uh, is Was it that does John Kerry have a brand new idea that no one's given a thought to before? Or is the Obama administration trying to push the incoming administration one direction or another? Are they trying to reset relations with somebody in the Middle East? What was the point of this speech? You know, it's interesting. First of all, it's a really long speech, 75 minute speech, and there was nothing new in it. Nothing new. Uh, that was really striking. Uh, why did he do it? I think, you know, watching it, the tone was remarkably defensive and I'd say whiny. I think it was mostly about last week's UN vote and the failure of the Obama administration, the United States, to veto. So this was playing defense. Why, why we had to let that go through and why we're really, you don't understand, see, we're really Israel's best friends in the world. And we're just trying to preserve the path forward to peace, which they're too dumb to do, so we'll have to do it. I mean, that was really the message. Uh, in that sense, it was an extraordinary speech, 75 minutes to say nothing he hadn't said pretty much 10 times before over his four years as secretary. Uh, it's uh, funny, as a former resident of Massachusetts, we called John Kerry talking for 75 minutes, quote, ordering lunch. So I was not surprised at the length and vacuity of it at all. But he, it was uh, very, there, there was a lot of uh, a, a negative tone towards Israel that I have to say I found uh, surprising. And I, I think part of it is because I live in the bubble of not just American uh, media, but American conservative media. The, the tone with which he talked about Israel, the tone with which he attacked uh, uh, building, including building inside East Jerusalem, seemed to me pretty uh, vigorous. I- am I naive? Is that the way the conversation internationally goes when it comes to Israel? Or was John Kerry really throwing some serious punches? He was throwing some serious punches, first of all, at the administration in Israel, at the government, the Netanyahu government. He was really um, smacking them around or trying to, um, and in a tone that... that um, is really um, what he, he mentioned, unusually heated attacks, was his phrase, unusually heated attacks by the government of Israel on the Obama administration. So that, that's um, special. I mean, we don't hear that kind of tone very much. The other thing that was striking was on the Palestinians, you know, he, he would no doubt tell you he was being even-handed. And he said the resolution last week was even-handed because he talked about settlements, and he talked about settlements, and then the resolution said things about Palestinian incitement and terrorism, and he said things about how the Palestinians have got to stop glorifying terrorism. It's a false uh, equivalency, 
both in the resolution last week and in his speech today. The resolution last week doesn't refer to Palestinian terrorism or glorification of terrorism. It leaves the word Palestinian out. So it could easily be referring to the Israelis alone or the Israelis as much. And there's no penalty to the Palestinians for doing this. In his speech today, Kerry did the same thing. He talked about how we want to be balanced here. Palestinians have got to stop glorifying terrorism, he said, naming schools and parks after murderers of Israelis, but no penalty. They pay no price for doing this. So it's a false equivalency because that resolution last week really harmed Israel. It didn't harm the Palestinians. And just, you know, saying the word, gee, they ought to stop this. In fact, Kerry said, we've made the point over and over again to the Palestinians in the strongest terms. <laughs> yeah, but they're not listening. And they pay no price for not listening. I see another false equivalency, which is to compare, um, you know, Israel dealing with land issues. And they are important issues. And I think that that's something that Americans need to educate ourselves about, about the uh, the the way that the policy of the Israeli government has changed when it comes to you know new construction, and that's important. But it's one thing, hi, I'm on my team. I want to build a house for a family to live in peacefully. I'm on the other team. I don't just want the house to not be built. I want to come in, burn it to the ground, kill everyone that's in it, and then find their family and kill them too. Comparing construction to terrorism is in and of itself a bizarre dichotomy, isn't it? It, it is, and you know what's interesting here? Kerry did it. I mean... What's striking to me is in the 2009 Cairo speech, Obama did it. He said, you know, well, think of the Israelis. I mean, six million Jews killed by the Nazis. Uh, on the other hand, that was his expression. On the other hand, Palestinians suffer too because they live under Israeli occupation. So there's, there is a comparison of Nazi genocide and the Israeli occupation of the West Bank and building settlements there. Kerry did the same thing, as you're pointing out. He used the term at the same time. That was his conjunction. You have Israelis building homes in the West Bank, and you have Palestinians murdering them. That's his equivalency. And it is, you know, morally, I mean, it's really very offensive. I agree with you, by the way, you know, that there's a lot to learn about the whole settlement question, but I would have to say Kerry's basically not, I think, setting us straight. He's arguing that there is this vast, vast expansion of the settlements in the West Bank. It's not true. I mean, the most of the population growth is in those major blocks that are right around Jerusalem and that everybody expects Israel to keep with a land swap in any ultimate deal with the Palestinians. And, of course, part of these so-called settlements are in Jerusalem. Israelis would argue it's our capital. They're not settlements. They're apartment houses. So... Uh, you'll get a big argument from the Israelis uh, on whether he set out fairly what's actually right. going on. Uh, and I would definitely not call him a uh, unbiased arbiter based on the statements he made today. I thought it was interesting, and I'd like to know from someone who had to deal with these tendentious diplomatic issues, that uh, the Secretary of State acknowledged in this speech something that they had been denying, which is that the Obama administration was, in fact, involved in orchestrating the return of this resolution so that they then could abstain and allow it to go through. Yes, I think there probably is, there are more things to come out about this, you know, as newspapers uh, look into this and as uh, more diplomats speak, I think this can be done with a wink and a nod, you know, 
Uh, I mean, we knew what was going on. We've been following this for weeks. It's clear that that the U.S. mission to the U.N. in New York has been talking to people. Uh, one of the reasons you get bad resolutions is that the United States doesn't make it clear at the beginning that we'll veto. If you make it clear that we'll veto, then you have very good bargaining power to improve the resolution. Uh, Kerry seemed to suggest that this was the improved resolution, but boy, you know, I would not have wanted to see the first draft. <laughs> if this kind of resolution with this kind of imbalance um, was really what, what what came out in the end and what we thought we could allow to go through. There's talk that there may be some more surprise resolutions yep. or surprise actions by the Obama administration. What are you hearing? What could they do? And what do you expect to actually happen before January 20th? What people are, are saying might happen is um, there is a conference in France in January that Kerry will attend. Israelis won't. Um, and this conference could come out with, you know, a statement, a declaration of Paris. And then maybe there's an effort to put it into the Security Council. Now, Kerry can say the same thing. It's not our language. We didn't propose it. We didn't bring it forward. You know, Malaysia and Senegal brought it forward. The question would be then, again, whether we let it go through or whether we veto it. And this could happen January 15, 16, 17, I mean, really in the days right before the inauguration. That's what the Israelis are worried about. Because once you get this in a Security Council resolution, um, it will be almost impossible to get it out if you have a Russian or Chinese veto of of a new resolution. And they are afraid that um, Israelis are going to be called criminals because the language of these resolutions, the one that was passed last week, do do say um, it is a violation of international law to build these settlements. So you're an Israeli official, you're an Israeli general who serves in the West Bank, you're an Israeli who lives in the West Bank. Are you going to get hauled before some court in Spain or, or, or uh, France or the International Criminal Court? I think it's what they're worried about, and they're worried that the administration will, in its waning hours, let this happen. One last question for you, and we really appreciate your time here on the podcast. The uh, steps that... Benjamin Netanyahu and Donald Trump should take once Donald Trump is president. Uh, You can't go back, as you just pointed out, and just overturn a a resolution that's been passed by the Security Council because Russia, China can just turn around and veto anything else. Are there pragmatic things they should do? And and from a political standpoint, what, what do you think would be a smart thing to do early on to let the world see what the new tone and direction is going to be? I think there are some steps that that, uh, the new administration could take. Uh, One would be to say that um, we do not view the Israeli settlements as a violation of international law. They may be smart or dumb. They may be a good idea or bad idea. It's a political question that needs to be debated, but we don't view them as a violation of international law. Um, Secondly, I think uh, the new president should say that Jerusalem uh, is part of Israel, at least West Jerusalem is. Um, the Knesset, the prime minister's office, are not in occupied territory. Uh, so we will allow people who are born in Jerusalem, Americans who are born overseas in Jerusalem, to have their passports say, um, country of birth, Israel, Jerusalem, Israel. Thirdly, I think the president should, president-elect should carry through on what he has said he would, which is moving the embassy. I think symbolically it would be important for the United States, in view of what Obama and Kerry and the U.N. have just done, to say, 
you can argue about the exact borders of Jerusalem, but Jerusalem is and is always going to remain the capital of Israel, and we're going to have our embassy there. Elliot Abrams, thank you so much for joining us for the podcast. We appreciate your insights and your time. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast at iTunes.com. While you're there, please give us a five-star review that lets other podcast seekers know, hey, somebody found something that they enjoy, like that great conversation with Elliot Abrams. Also, check out our additional podcast products at podcastone.com, including the Crystal Clear Podcast every Friday. I'm your host, Michael Graham.